For those of you who are wonderful people who like to take notes, today's message is uh, based on the scripture Colossians 4, 2 to 6, and there are notes out in the foyer because we're going to go hard and fast today. But first, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that your power is here available to us. I thank you that your love is for us, not against us. Lord, I just come before you today and I just thank you for the fact that every single thing in here that needs to be dealt with, you have the tools for it. Thank you, Lord, that no one needs to leave here today without the power and strength of God changing their lives. And Lord, I particularly want to pray for those who are finding it difficult right now those who are hurting, those who are wondering what the future may bring. I just feel that God wants you to know here today, the future does not need to be more of the past. Hold on to that today. So Lord, we just put ourselves into your hands. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right, we've heard that keys need to be used. Last week, Tom talked about three keys, God's word, prayer, and fellowship with practicing Christians. The week before, he also said that Jesus is the ultimate key, and that being convinced of God is the super key. Well, I'm going to talk to you about the master key. If you missed those messages, then it's well worth looking them up online. Today we're talking about unlocking your message, sharing with others the awesomeness of God. The master key for this is prayer. Prayer brings us into communion with God, and communion brings conviction, convincing you of God. Let me say that again. Prayer brings us into communion with God, and communion brings conviction, convincing you of God. It's a cycle, and it's well worth being in it. But back to where all this began for me, I'm just going to give you a little insight into my brain right now. Please buckle up. We're going for a ride. I had an aha moment this year as I was reading through my Bible. I was reflecting on the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary um, after watching that movie together as as a church. And from there, my mind drifted, a.k.a. was led, to the passage in Daniel 10, where Gabriel comforted Daniel and has a casual chat about how he'd been fighting a spiritual war with the prince of Persia for 21 days until Michael, one of the chief princes, a.k.a. Archangel, turned up to lend a hand. You know, just another day in the kingdom of God. Let that sink in. (laughs) Then I started wondering about whether Mary had a longer conversation with Gabriel than is recorded. Because if I'd been in the room, I would have said something like, hold up, Gabriel. (laughs) What was Daniel like? Was he tall? Was he short? What was he like? What have you been doing since that time up until now? What does the Prince of Persia look like? Do you fight with swords or is it like a truth versus, you know, lie spiritual combat? I would have kept him there for days. 
then my brain did another flip to the passage in Hebrews 13.2. So Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect hospitality to strangers, but by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. That got me going. (laughs) Then I started thinking about it. If people were entertaining angels without knowing it, then how did the writer in Hebrews know that they had, in fact, entertained angels? There's a question I want answered. Plus, then I started thinking and getting practical. If I want to meet an angel, I'd better start showing hospitality to strangers. (laughs) So then I finally shut my mouth and let God have his say. I'm bad at that. I talk too much. And he told me that there's a sermon in all this. Long story short, which it hasn't been, as I continued praying, I realized that there's a connection between our prayer and communion with God and the spreading of the message and spiritual warfare. Okay, I'll say that again. There's a connection between our prayer and communion with God and the spreading of the message and spiritual warfare. Now, there's about a 16-sermon series in that. But today, I'm not going to be able to do that. Well, no, actually, that's not true. God can do it. I realized that unlocking our message and having our message heard by others flows supernaturally from our relationship with God. The stronger our prayer life, the stronger our relationship the stronger our message. The stronger our prayer life, the stronger our relationship, the stronger our message. It's important that you have a good definition of prayer before we go any further. Now, this is my definition. Go check the scriptures, make sure I'm right. Is that prayer is communication and communion with God. It's about listening as well as speaking. It's about relationship. See, there's another sermon. And enjoying that relationship. It took me a long time to get that one. And enjoying that relationship. Go back through Daniel 10 and Hebrews 13 and may God strengthen you in this. But I'm going to give you an example from my own life of where all of this came together in one experience. I was over in China And we used to do two insane things every year. We did lots of insane things, but we used to do two major insane things every year. And one of them was what we called student convention. It's where we'd get all of the underground schools to come together for a competition. And we'd put all all our eggs in one basket in one place. Do you know where the last place was we did that in China? Wuhan. (laughs) Interesting. And we brought everybody in in different ways. Some came by planes, train, automobile. We got into buses. We took roundabout routes. We went to this place which had its own internal Wi-Fi and no contact with the outside world. And we all got together, and there was about 700 of us. And we nearly got caught. We got out just in time before the authorities arrived. That was such a close call that they decided the next year this is getting too hot to handle in here and it's getting too big. It's getting too easy to find it. So we're going to shift it out to Hong Kong. Now that created its own issues. Because if you work, uh, if you are a mainland Chinese, you can't just walk out to Hong Kong. You've actually got to have a visa given to you by the government. 
So that created another problem. So we thought, we're going to give this a go. So my team and I, we turn up at the border from China to Hong Kong, the border crossing at Shenzhen. <laughs> and um, I am full of faith and knowing that God is going to hack everything right. I am, okay, stop looking so suspicious, people. <laughs> stop gathering together in groups. You go on that one, you go on that one, you go on that one, um, and we will spread out, and we will... <laughs> so I'm trying to do it all on my own strength, like I normally do. So we're crossing the Hong Kong border. I always go tail end Charlie. So I'm right at the end, but then, as I said, we spread out. So there were four of us left out of the ones that were going across. The rest had all got through, and I'm going, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then I got through. They love me in Hong Kong. I have a British passport. Um, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, there's my daughter, Rachel, looking at me with a panicked look on her face. Rachel was born in China, and her full name is Rachel Lin Long Kirby. All right? The English and the Chinese all together. And her passport, it's L-I-N, it's written in English script. And the woman who was, had her on the thing was saying, write your name in Chinese characters. It's not in the passport that way. Write your name in Chinese characters. <laughs> um, <coughs> Rachel's going to kill me for saying this. She didn't know how to write it in Chinese characters. So she stuck. Meanwhile, little Korean girl, CR, is on the other side of me. <laughs> you remember CR? And uh, she gets to the border and realizes she doesn't have the visa. Daddy hadn't given it to her. And they come to grab her and to take her away. Still full of faith at this point, still not doing it in my own strength, <laughs> whatever. Um, and I'm just panicking, and I've got Annie, one of our um, Taiwanese uh, people who works with us, and she's there, and she's standing there, and she's just got through, and we've got these two girls, and we're thinking, what do we do now? <sighs> um, on top of all this, one of our parents had been taken away for questioning because they thought she was a thief. They did that on the way out and on the way back in. Uh, it turns out she just looked like the thief. So, at this point, I rustled up an incredibly theological, wordy prayer. It went like this. Help! <laughs> and then this bizarre thing happened. I just felt calm. And then I felt like I was outside myself looking in. As if I was like, you know, watching myself do stuff. And I watched myself turn around to the person who was taking CR away. And in what I have to say to you is Chinese that was beyond my ability at that time. Tell that guy, you are not taking her into that room. You will deal with her right here where I can see you. And then I turned around to Annie and I said, whispering, write any characters that fit. She's never going to know. <laughs> By this stage, Rachel had gone into full-on, I am so frustrated with this woman mode. Um, 
At the same time, a guy in the back, is like we were standing, we'd gone through, we were standing on this place where it says, in English and in Chinese, get out. <laughs> You've come through, get out. Whoops. And so this guy over the back there, he starts walking towards me and he starts saying, you have to leave. And I looked at him. Look, I, I can't explain this, but something came out of my eyes. <laughs> and he like did one step and then just backed up. <laughs> yeah, angels, absolutely. Whew. But then CR managed to get her dad on the phone, wonders of modern technology, managed to send a picture of the visa, they checked the number, she got through, Rachel got through. And then the four of us went into the corridor. Have you ever seen these movies where the people just walk out and a big explosion happens behind them? <laughs> so we walked out in triumph because, you know, you might not know what it's like, Chinese borders and things like this, but that was an absolute stonking miracle that we, 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 we got through that. So we walked out, the four of us, lock-stepped, you know, <laughs> looking at each other. Oh, yeah, that just happened. <laughs> there was a moment where prayer, relationship, and even enjoyment of God's presence all happened at the same time. I was walking two feet off the ground, uh, and it was all God. Now, we have heard with great power comes great responsibility. We've heard that many, many times. But there is a corollary in God's kingdom. With great responsibility comes great power from God. I was responsible in that moment and absolutely unable to fix the situation. And God came through. My responsibility was to get those people through. I couldn't do it. God did it. I came to the end of my strength, and I came to the beginning of God's. So, great responsibility. If you're sitting out there, this is for some people sitting here today. If you're sitting out there looking at taking on some extra responsibility in God's kingdom, or even in something else, I need you to know, God needs you to know, He will come through. He will give you what you need when you need it. And you'll enjoy it too. So from here, let's look at Colossians 4, 2-6 and the message of Jesus we carry. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that he may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way that I ought to proclaim it. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. May God bless his word. There are two parts here. The first part, up to four, is our indirect involvement in evangelism, the message, through prayer. 
The second part, five and six, is our direct involvement. So let's look at the indirect involvement through prayer. One of the reasons I believe we feel so weak in our prayer lives is that we've tried to make a domestic intercom out of a wartime walkie-talkie. Prayer is not designed just as an intercom between us and God to serve up domestic comforts. It is that, but it's not just that. It's designed as a walkie-talkie for spiritual battlefields. It's the link between active soldiers and their command headquarters with its unlimited firepower and air coverage and strategic wisdom. So here's one way to picture what is going on here. Paul and Timothy, who show up in chapter 1, verse 1, Aristarchus, who turns up in 14, and Epaphras, who turns up in 412, are a unique team of shock troops in the spiritual battle to recapture the hearts of men for God. They have made a strike at the enemy lines and met a tremendous counterforce. Paul and Aristarchus are prisoners of war, and it looks as though the enemy has a tactical victory in his pocket. But Paul manages to smuggle a letter out of the prison camp to some fellow soldiers stationed to the rear. That's the Colossians. In the letter, he asked them to get on their walkie-talkie, call command headquarters, and ask headquarters to fire a missile that will blast open a door in the prison wall and in the enemy's front line so that Paul and his squad can get on with their mission to release people from the power of Satan and bring them to God. Boom. So the point that we're most interested here is that the soldiers to the rear with the walkie-talkie of prayer are very crucial in the front-line successes of evangelism. If they weren't, this text would be a waste of space. The people out there, the situation I just told you about that I was in, there were people praying. Just like Daniel prayed for his 21 days, there were angels. It was all happening. It was all going down. And it's happening right here. And as you pray for other people, it's happening right here. So there's three aspects to pray of how to pray. Number one, devotion. Devote yourselves to prayer. If you get one thing today, get this. Please get it all, but if you get one thing, get this. Prayer increases in power the more it's used. There's a feedback loop that whole relationship, communion, prayer increases power the more it's used. When you give it up, the power drains out of it, and it's hard to get going again. If you want to have a crucial role in the great spiritual warfare of these days and not just be passed over, you need to keep the walkie-talkie with you all day. Keep it in the on position and ask again and again for God to give you your orders, guide you through the minefields of temptation, and make you alert to every opportunity to proclaim the message of his promised victory. Keep it on. Number two, being alert. The enemy knows the danger of this walkie-talkie. The enemy knows. He'll try to jam the airwaves, steal the transmitter, or just put you to sleep with some drug. He jams the airwaves by filling the atmosphere of our lives with the clutter of non-essentials. Get you busy so you don't have time. He steals the transmitter by deceiving us that it's broken and won't work. I'm going to stop right there because that's a problem for a lot of you here today. I can feel it. 
I prayed and it didn't happen. Daniel prayed for 21 days. I know some people who have prayed their whole lives for someone to become a Christian, died, and then that person's become a Christian after they're gone. All right, just don't give up. Do not give up. Pray together. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Do not listen to the devil. It's not broken. It does work. And he puts us to sleep by tempting us to stay up late so that we're tired and we can't concentrate. (laughs) Binge watching. The only way to get victory over Satan's devices is to be alert for all of these things. Thanksgiving. In case the wartime analogy is giving you some angst, I love it, but this word is added to take that away. Devotion and being alert might signify a lot of nail-biting and perspiration, um, which was where I was at, and heart-thumping, but that would be a big mistake. Sometimes our hearts do thump and the hands get clammy, but that is not supposed to be the normal feeling for the Christian soldier. What we are supposed to feel normally is a sense that the command headquarters in heaven is in control. Progress is being made on all strategic fronts. The battle is the Lord's. The decisive engagements of Christ and Satan have all been won by Christ, and he's leading his church in triumph. Short version, we're winning. We are winning. How can God lose? We are winning. Oh, but it doesn't look like it. I don't care what it looks like. I care about the truth. We are winning. And that goes for your individual situations as well. Maybe it's not happening as quick as you'd like, but you're winning. So woven through all our walkie-talkie requests, fire cover, and sentences like, Nice shot, sir. Awesome. The door blew open wide, sir. Thank you. And we made it through to Hong Kong, sir. Woohoo! When Paul says that our praying is to be done with thanksgiving, he means that we should keep our eyes on the victory of God. We do not fight as losers. We know God will win. What to pray? Three things. Number one, for the shock troops on the front line. God has called some people to give most of their time to direct gospel warfare. Pause for effect. All Christians are soldiers. All have walkie-talkies, because we are the priesthood of all believers. But there's a differentiation of assignment on the battlefield. He has given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Ephesians 4.11. Now, we can call these the shock troops. No, I like that because I'm a teacher. Paul's point here in verse 3 is that all Christian soldiers should use their walkie-talkies for the sake of those in these positions. Everyone should have some missionaries and pastors that they focus on specifically in prayer. Do it. Sorry, that was a bit rude, wasn't it? Is that okay? Sorry, you're Christian, you have to forgive me. (laughs) Number two, for opening for gospel opportunities. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9 and 10, Paul says, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door of effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. And in 2 Corinthians 2.12, he said, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, a door was opened for me in the Lord. And in Revelation... Let me try that again. Getting excited. 
In Revelation 3.8, Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia, Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Think back to Daniel praying for 21 days. Your prayer matters. It opens doors that cannot be shut. We are winning. Number three, for the gospel message to be proclaimed plainly and effectively. Another 16 series here. How to present your message effectively. For instance, if I tell my story about the Hong Kong crossing and do not mention the power and presence of God, then I'm making myself out to be the hero, not God. I was not a hero that day. Some people thought I was. I put them right. I told them. I was terrified. There are many other things to consider, but I'm sure that the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say, because we're promised that, as you continue to pray and commune with God, building your relationship moment by moment. Now, plainly and effectively is going to look different for different people as well. Some do their best work on a street corner with a placard. And you're all going, no, that's not me. Some do their best work over coffee with a workmate. Others are going, coffee, yeah, I'm there. Others on the sports field. Others when they take someone fishing. I suppose <clears throat> it's even possible that some people do their best work at communicating the gospel whilst buying new shoes. But I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> All right, part two. Part two. That's us praying for those on the front line. Part two. Our direct involvement through wise conduct and seasoned speech. I want to turn now to verses 5 and 6 and shift our focus. So this is the daily direct involvement in evangelism that every soldier is supposed to have where we live and work and play. Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Life is a series of unique and wonderful opportunities for sharing spiritual blessings in the form of spreading the gospel message. 100%. How can we use every opportunity? Wise behavior, salty speech, and individual attention. Okay, salty speech is not what people talk about these days. Okay, for the younger people here, I'm not talking about that kind of salty speech. More to come. Wise behavior. Wisdom is knowing what to do for the glory of God when the rule book runs out. Okay? Everything else is determined by the Bible, but when that runs out, that's wisdom. It's knowing how to become all things to all people without compromising holiness and truth. It is creativity and tact and thoughtfulness. It's having a feel for the moment through the power of the Holy Spirit and having an eye for what people need and want. Now, there are four sources of wisdom. Meditation on the Scriptures, Psalm 19.7. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. <sighs> Glad about that. <coughs> Excuse me for one sec. Prayer itself, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. The walkie-talkie. Sound counselors, the whole of the book of Proverbs mentions this. The practice of principles in real life experience. 
Hebrews 5.14. Seek wisdom. Prayer. Seek wisdom. Prayer, wisdom, relationship, enjoyment. It's all one big bundle of stuff. Salty speech. Flavorful speech. Not, not, not the salty speech we talk about these days. How do you learn to talk about Christ in a way that makes people's mouth water? Do you remember what this guy did last week about the bread? Those of you who are here? I'm sitting there going, that's so cruel. I'm so hungry now. I'm going to be a little bit rough on you now. Be ready for it. You ready? It's hard to salt your speech with the deliciousness of Jesus when you haven't been enjoying the taste yourself. And that's the first thing we need to deal with. We need to go back to developing that relationship through prayer. There's a million different ways this can happen, so I'm not going to address them all. But if that's the way you're feeling, get back to God and say, this is the way I'm feeling. He knows. He knows. The wonderful thing about Paul's advice here is that the best way to prepare yourself to be an advertisement for the satisfying taste of Jesus is to enjoy him yourself. Every day we should go to the Bible and look for reasons why knowing Christ is the greatest thing in the world. And when we get up off our knees with our hearts happy in him, we'll be in the best position to make our speech appetizing for Christ. The final answer to the question of how we use every opportunity for God is that a person should get individual attention. Don't treat all people the same. The point is simple. Each person is different and each situation is different. The gospel is the same. Christ is the same. But there are countless ways to serve up the meal. All right? I'm telling you this from when I've been overseas. All right? Different people in different places find different things delicious. Okay, I'm not into frog's legs. Okay, but some people are. I have eaten sea slug in China. I did it because I was polite. But they thought they were doing me a huge favor. So I smiled the whole way through it. There are countless ways to serve the meal. As I said before regarding people who go fishing and those people who buy shoes and stuff like that. We need wisdom how to serve and wisdom how to season it. Many people have walls up from past experiences. However, God can show you the key to opening the gates into their lives. I'll give you a good one. I talked to somebody once and said, they said, I've, I've been hurt by, by someone who called themselves a Christian. And I had read this thing somewhere else and I used it and I said, look, if somebody plays Beethoven badly... Do you blame Beethoven? Don't blame God for what us imperfect people do. Yeah. It's, it's not God's fault. <laughs> so in conclusion, let's pick up the walkie-talkie and support the shock troops with devotion, being alert, being confident, thanking God for the victory as we fight alongside angels. Let's use every opportunity for evangelism with wisdom, using salty speech, and individual attention. And on top of all this, let's set our eyes on Christ, John 6.35, in the gospel, until we taste how appetizing and satisfying he is for our own souls. 
I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. If you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, please don't leave here today without telling someone like myself or a friend nearby that you'd like to pray together about it. Prayer is relationship with God. It's chatting with your commander, but also your greatest hero. It takes the natural lives we live and makes them supernatural. So let's create a lifestyle of prayer by making the decision daily to have communion with our Lord.